1: and welcome to the NXT Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture? Joined by one of the deadly boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture? To review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, Wherever you get your podcast from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review NXT, but also Raw, SmackDown, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestler culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sujic to review last night's episode of NXT. Before we get into it, actually, Sid, just dealing with a news story that's coming out today about people getting kicked out of these NXT tapings because... Well, they think they're working for a dirt sheet. What do you reckon to all that?
2: They had people in that building for years and years and years who spoiled the show. Whenever you tape a show, there will always be one fan, whether there's 10,000, 8,000, or in the case of Full Sail University, 400, or in the case of the CWC, about 300, I believe. There'll always be one who gives away the results. This never used to be a problem for them until one of two things happened, right? And you can be cynical, if you like. One, um, it moved to television, so the stakes of viewership are far more important. Mm -hmm. Or two, the quality of the show became pretty bland is the generous term. Like, There are some great matches on NXT to this day. There are some great promos of the way Adam Cole's since left, <laughs> but we all know the crack. It doesn't feel like an alternative in AEW's shadow. Um, there's a lack of trust. There's a lack of direction. There's a lack of continuity as a result of the power plays going on in WWE right now. It just generally feels, and it's, like, it's such a dismal atmosphere in CWC, for so many different reasons. This show, and I think it's boring as hell sometimes, practically irrelevant, very cold. But I think the more generous consensus is it isn't hot, at the very least. Hmm. And there's a little bit of an unpleasant vibe from the outside looking in at NXT right now. Back in the days of Full Sail University, and I remember a report in October 2019 where this was the first sort of um, indication that just wasn't going to be the same anymore. Like the wrestlers used to fraternize with the fans. Mm. Uh, used to be like food tri- uh, food trucks that they used to congregate around. And then instantly when it moved to TV, you no, know we're doing um, in-house catering, fan interaction's going to be limited, blah, 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 blah. Um, so it just feels like this is a promotion at war with its fans for reasons I can't comprehend because it's not fans' fault. It's Vince's mm-hmm. fault. Kick him out, but they can't. So they are kicking the cat is the TLDR take on this recent spate of, like the guy from um, JJ Williams, I believe his name is, um, from The Observer. He used to adore NXT. And he didn't just go to the tapings, like he was on the loop. Like he considered himself like um, a chronicle uh, historian of NXT. He um, was a huge part of the full sail atmosphere and they booted him out Like, come on, like that was a heel move from a brand that increasingly feels like a heel.
1: Mm. Well, this was the uh, post-Takeover 36 episode of NXT, of course. What do you reckon on the whole?
2: There was some decent action. There was some storyline developments, a nice conclusion. Two nice conclusions to two stories. In fact, it would be in bad faith or just a little bit moody to say that it was an outright terrible show but oh this is the general vibe of it feels as mundane and irrelevant as ever I don't need an, I don't need a promo train on this programme there's been f- far more than people would be happy to admit but mm. this one in particular was just so ugh. uh look it's the same old 2021 NXT increasingly cold bland solid minor league WWE wrestling. That's what the show was, irrespective of its quality, which was okay. Mm. The vibe continues to get worse and worse and worse. The feeling around it gets worse. The vibe the show projects gets worse. Phoned in, you're getting your first little glimpses of what could be considered directions now. And I'm thinking this brand for the first time doesn't feel like it's got a takeover in it.
1: Mm. yeah I I think I I completely agree with what you say there mate I'd describe this as inessential i.e like you say some really entertaining action uh, on the show and some just generally entertaining stuff happening as well and I think you know it's not the case of I don't want to do this comparison I hate saying oh let's compare NXT and AW." but at the end of the day WWE forced that comparison onto us at the start of the Wednesday Night Wars so what I would say is this is not if you're doing a sliding scale, this isn't Monday Night Raw. Whereas if I didn't have to watch Monday Night Raw as part of my job, I, without question, would not watch Monday Night Raw. I would maybe catch up, maybe watch a few clips online, but I wouldn't be sat there on a Tuesday morning, hop out of bed, right time to watch Monday Night Raw. Dynamite, I would, if I didn't do it for my job, and for example, I know a lot of people do this. Obviously, you if you're in the UK, you'll wake up and it's happened the night before you go to work and maybe avoid all spoilers and watch it. I'd watch it as soon as I get in, like Thursday evening, for example. I think I'm somewhere in between on that, is I wouldn't necessarily mind if I got some things of NXT spoiled, and I would probably watch large swathes of this show. But like I say, it's just, it's not appointment viewing. And that is a reflection of, of what we've been talking about for for the last few months, if not years. There's this Indeed, thing. it's before we
2: actually get to the show... Um, I would probably have stopped watching this if I didn't cover it for a living. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a unique selling point. It used to. It used to be, come get genuinely best in the world to pro wrestling. A notch below New Japan, but everything else in time, in history was. You used to get state-of-the-art in-ring action. Some of your favorite indie stars being treated respectfully and with conviction. You never got the best promos, that's just a WWE thing, but you got some nice, real feel-good moments. This brand offers nothing that so many other promotions do better. You you see Josh Alexander's work on Impact and you think, do they even have the in-ring anymore? Certainly they don't have it in comparison to the peaks of AEW. Um, they don't have the promos, they never will have the promos, now that it's a publicly floated company that is now sort of an ambassador, product of at NBC, you don't get the white hot storytelling. I don't get, I don't get anything from the show that I couldn't get elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It used to be the place where I'd say, "All right, okay, well, you know," it's no longer the alternative it once was. But I love Adam Cole, I love mm-hmm. Ever Rise. I started to love Thatcher and Champ. There was always stars that I liked on the show, but you're not even getting that anymore. Um, yeah, this brand's it's in trouble. I think it's it's hard to tell where it's in trouble from a televised standpoint. I know where we will talk about the show in Christ, I don't want to talk about it longer than I need to. Hmm. But like, is it, if this was the only thing WWE had for our network, would it be in trouble? The fact that Raw exists means no, absolutely not. They could probably take a two hour time slot just to justify how popular Raw is on cable. But in itself, were it not for Raw, this would be in trouble as a TV show.
1: We've over two million, by the way. Oh, god, I, I mean, ugh. how? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'll say this. Do you remember the, in the in the good old days when I was still new at what culture, wet behind the ears, and we'd sit down and talk about a takeover, and I'd sit with you two and promise. I'm sort of watching weekly TV of NXT back when it was just on the network, and I'd never got bothered to get get around to it probably what i would would have done had that been the case now is had a watch takeover and gone well that was fantastic tuned in this week and gone cool i'll see in a few months maybe the the the, the go home show before the next takeover so i it's been a
2: problem for forever by the way like i'm talking years Hmm. before the war one more thing before we actually get into it dave melter reports or reported i don't look at it anymore the this section I do still subscribe he used to report the top 10 network shows on any given yeah. week the table for three used to often beat NXT like table yeah. for three used to routinely beat NXT how good could it have been everyone used to performatively love the takeovers and earnestly but kind of performatively at the same time it's like well hang on I'm, I'm hearing none of this mm. on Thursday mornings or Thursday nights on Twitter and yet People are talking about it as if it's some of the best pro wrestling ever. Saturday nights, yes, Wednesday nights, not for like a number of years.
1: Mm. Table for three in the mud. You love to see it. All right, let's, <laughs> let's talk about this show because it started with the real star of NXT. And that is <laughs> Cameron Grimes, baby, to the moon. He uh, arrives. Uh, With his Million Dollar Championship and the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, they've got the full red carpet treatment as they arrive in a limo and they walk out uh, celebrating Grimes' victory at TakeOver 36. DiBiase cuts this lovely speech uh, talking about why he came to NXT, wanted someone to carry on the legacy of the Million Dollar Man. Uh, That person would have to be strong of body and mind, but most importantly, strong in heart. He said, quitters never win, winners never quit. And he said, Grimes, you are no quitter. Uh, You got back up no matter how many times you fell down until you finally became million-dollar champion. That is who you are now. Uh, Cameron Grimes, just a great promo he is. Uh, He says, talked about when he first interacted with Ted DiBiase and he drove him crazy. Uh, And DiBiase butted in saying, oh, just testing here. Uh, Grimes went on to say, look, he lost focus with all those zeros in his bank account. He thought it was something, but he didn't have that accomplishment that made him something he talked about when he was cleaning trash and scrubbing toilets. And there was no way he was going to allow that dummy, LA Knight, uh, to make the million dollar man his butler. So at takeover, they took care of LA Knight and uh, he became the million dollar champion. And Grimes wondered, where do they go from here? there's only one place to go and together they shout to their mood and then they make it rain as you sort of predicted on the preview yesterday sidge dollars rain down from the sky but it's not real money as uh, wade barrett was keen to point out it's dollar bills with cameron grimes's face on it if anyone's got one of them i'd really appreciate it if you could send it to what culture towers it'll be pride of place on my desk uh, but they hug And I thought it was a great opening to NXT. Lovely stuff, this.
2: Yeah, what I hate about it is that it's contradicted everything I've just said because this was really fun, long-term storytelling with, like, a feel-good bent. This is the closest NXT legitimately has come to restoring the soul of NXT that proved so fabulous in 2013, 14, 15. A long-term storyline that made Silly Steak still feel like really quite nice. And it has a happy ending. And the fans are made to feel feelings of happiness, dopamine at the thing that they watch because the whole world's miserable and everyone needs an escape. It's a nice, neat little conclusion. It's a shame they weren't paid to be there because that would have made for a funny little joke. But I got the second prediction right later on in the broadcast, Mm -hmm. so I was happy enough with that. It's... Weird. I don't understand how Cameron Grimes doesn't come across as, you know when like Gargano dresses up as friggin Michaels mm. and he sees photo shoots and it's like, stop jerking yourselves off. You just <laughs> lost a war, you're in the mud and you're doing your poses and photo shoots as if you're still legends. Mm. Get better with a pen. <laughs> get better with a broken pen. Become legends once again and then you can get your little mark apprentices to dress up as year. It used to make me sick, that. Absolutely sick. They are doing it as recently as three months ago, and it's like, mm. you're dead! The <laughs> brand is dead, and you're still <laughs> sucking yourselves off. Still sucking your own cacks. And yet, Cameron Grimes, because it's one of my least favourite things ever, because... It's just a bit of fluff that they do to like get some attention when they do, the stars of the day dress up as the stars of yesteryear. And you've got Shinsuke Nakamura and Sasha Banks do The Undertaker. I'm thinking, do you think The Undertaker ever dressed up as Bruno Somatino? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't, because the idea was he's going to appear as a superstar in his own right. Steve Austin didn't dress up as the Ultimate Warrior on a dot-com photo shoot because he was a star. This stuff that they do makes them look like little geeks. And yet, it must be the powers of his personality, the lovely detail and genuine wit of the storyline. But Cameron Grimes, legitimately, and this is such an enormous credit to him, Mm. doesn't feel like Johnny Gargano.
1: No, he's he's his own man. Like you say, he's he's aping the million dollar man. He's got the jacket with the dollar signs on and all that. But yeah, like you say... I'm intrigued and worried where it goes from here with him, but I mean, for something where it could have just been like you say, just a cheap knockoff. I think he's. he's I think generally, especially tonight, I thought what they did, everything with this was was absolutely perfect, both here and later on in the night. Next week, oh, I'm going to be very nervous to see what happens next. But in terms of giving him something to do rather than having him lose challengers for i don't know the north american championship or something i think you've you've done a they've done a great job with him having said that as you were talking now i was like i would have loved to have seen big show dressed up as bastion bugger but maybe that's a thing for another time uh, let's move on because it was time for timothy thatcher versus ridge bloody holland and they had pete done Tommaso champa in their corners and this went exactly the way we, we thought and hoped, I suppose it went. And that was Timothy Thatcher, submission specialist, going for the submissions. And Ridge Holland, big hard bastard, battering him whenever he could get out of those submissions. Exactly what happened here. Uh, Thatcher's going for submissions. Holland gets back up to his feet early on and just floors Thatcher with a punch. Um, Thatcher drops down, uh, keeps going for these submissions, gets a back elbow from Holland, though. Uh, Thatcher's targeting Holland's leg, um, then targets an arm. And it looks like he's maybe got a bit of the advantage here. And Holland just takes his head off with a lariat. Later on, Thatcher catches him again in a a half crab. Holland kicks out, uh, gets up. Thatcher, bad idea this, Tim, slaps him, to which Holland blocks a kick, headbutts him, scoops him up, power slam, one, two, three, clean as a sheet. Ridge Holland beats Timothy Thatcher. Big brawl breaks out after the match with Champa and Pete Um Throws Dun out of the ring. Champa gets hit with a sneak attack. And then here comes the returning Danny Birch. Great to see him back on TV. Only Lauken uh, is helping uh, him attack Champa as well. They continue. Uh, Birch lays, lays out Champa with a big punch. Uh, and then Holland hits him with a headbutt. Holland goes to put his little cap back on when uh, Thatcher comes in, but Dunn attacks him. That allows Holland to grab that club of his. He hits Thatcher in the arm. Dunn holds his arm out. He hits it again, and then he hits Thatcher in the throat, injuring Timothy Thatcher. They lay him out. They leave both Champa and Thatcher laid out. A real statement, this, for, for Holland, Dunn, uh, Birch, and Lawconsidge. I,
2: If I'm going to be nice about it... It doesn't really sound that nice, actually. Now that the words are forming in my brain, this is precisely the sort of angle I will not give a single toss about until they're in the ring, and it looks like someone's about to get their arm broken because some of these guys are so great at locking in submissions. This is a pr- like very few people, if any, in this storyline that is intensified on last night's NXT. Like very few of them are like TV stars. They are not TV stars at all. Um, this is okay. Some of, the permuta- some of the different permutations of the match combinations should be fire in the ring. Uh, again, it's just a very sweeping sort of bland quality to all of this. But like, you don't want to praise things as like... You want to feel things. You want to think... Timothy Thatcher's doing a pretty tremendous job with uh, Rich Holland here because you know how green he is. He's guided him through a match of not inconsiderable length Mm. without any glaring hesitation spots, moments where they are trying to get on the same wavelength or Thatcher's guiding him through. Those are solid. But because of Holland's... Holland's got a character and he's being told to do these things And it's fine. It didn't feel like a total pro. And it isn't. This is the NXT now. It didn't feel like a total pros match Mm. where one big hard bastard is like just smacking. I mean, did, but like it didn't crackle with the electricity of two pros working this story. It felt like Thatcher was very subtly and very well, I might add, like guiding them through this type of match. Great individual performance from Thatcher, when you look at it from a perspective of the job he's doing, but that's not what I watch a wrestling TV show at all for.
1: Yeah, it's, it, you're right. It's kind of like schizophrenic with it all in terms of, and maybe we'll do an entire podcast about this over the weekend, talking about the future of NXT with it being reshaped and what have you, in terms of working out, what is this brand? Is it, you know, is it Monday Night Raw or SmackDown light? Or is it, like you say, purely for developmental And it's just the case that you get to watch some of these matches and then maybe, you know, tie in some storylines with it. But I thought they did a great job working together. And I thought in terms of establishing and these gaggler bastards again, I thought it did a great job. And uh, yeah, never nice to see someone injured and taken off TV, obviously in kayfabe and what have you. But A real impactful thing, this. Uh, We got a lovely couple of interviews throughout this show with the two finalists in the NXT breakout tournament. First was Carmelo Hayes. Nice sort of reminder of the story uh, that's happened prior to this, the road that he's been on, building him up and setting him up for the match later on. And they did the same with Odyssey Jones later. So it wasn't like in the previous rounds where they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's really interesting. And and then uh, here's this guy. He's going to be fighting as well later. Enough of that. Not bad, though. But back to this guy. What about this? Uh, and then we uh, found out in a backstage interview with Indy Hartwell and Dex Loomis. Indy, of course, did all the talking. Uh, Mackenzie Mitchell asking them about when the wedding is. Sig, get your tuck sorted for the fourteenth of September. The Index wedding. I can't wait. <sighs> I, It'll be fun. It. The, the thing is,
2: WWE in weddings, even when WWE is rubbish in the two thousands. They got bloody weddings spot on. This is their absolute bread and butter, which is weird because it's, not called, it's the second W in WWE stands, actually, for wrestling, not weddings, but this kind <laughs> of stuff. World Wedding Entertainment. like This is their bread and butter. A big angle, big daft spectacle. I expect it to be done really, really well. Um, but the Lana Lashley wedding was... Abysmal, but that's raw for you. NXT still a notch above. Yeah, they should be good. I'm not wearing um not wearing a suit for the podcast.
1: What was the, <laughs> what was the, they'll never know? What was the um last good wrestling wedding we had? Because like the it Ford, wasn't the AW one, I'll tell
2: you that for no.
1: No, Ford Sabian wasn't good, like you say, Lana Lashley wasn't good. That
2: is, no, was that's no there was a great one in TNA.
1: I forget yes. who was,
2: it was the Chelsea Green. Mm. The last good WWE wedding
1: for Daniel Bryan AJ with his white suit. Oh, was that Raw 1000? Did you see how close we are to Raw 1500? I thought Raw well, 1000 was about three Christ. years ago or something in my head. Oh, God. Raw 1000 is
2: 2012. I know. Oh, God. I could do it without watching Tatanka. I to Tatanka. <laughs> I could really do it without... Watching even for the five seconds these things last, I could do without watching Tatanka hanging around with Carlito, Ted DiBiossi,
1: and drrr, Rolodex, Kelly Kelly. I'll tell you what, when we've got a free weekend, maybe not me, and you. no, maybe me, me, you and Hamflat I'll tell you what we'll do, because I've just Googled this, uh, according to Reddit anyway, 21st of February next year is Raw 1500. What we're going to do is we'll book bits that we think would actually be good. And then I'm going to bring in a big jar with legends names in and I'll draw out three and you have to book a backstage segment with them. How about that? Yes, I'll happily do that. It'll be better than the show. I mean, it's exactly what they do in WWE, isn't it? Just like, are you free? Right, yeah, we'll work some of it out. Um, but it feels like, and this is, you know, we're not going to try, and. I'm going to try, sorry, and avoid all the spoilers for the uh, the NXT tapings over the next few weeks. But with, what, three episodes of NXT, including the wedding, it feels like an open goal to do Hendu next week, Stag do the week after, and then the wedding, surely. But then that's just sensible booking from us.
2: Absolutely. Still annoyed that AEW didn't do a stag do. You could the worst thing about watching that wedding with um Sabian and Ford and all that stuff is like as it was approaching, you could tell mm. that already your characters cooked, we need to course correct and do something big with it. So they just didn't bother doing any fun stuff because they thought, well, this isn't fun. I'd rather have the Redeemer than a Stag do if I'm being honest. But all of this on the next day should be good because with all the greatest will in the world, Dexter Loomis isn't going to become as good as Miro. So, in the, the no his lane.
3: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.
1: Right, let's return to the action on NXT, because then we got a tag match. It was uh, Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter versus Gigi Dolin and JC Jane. Um, apparently, Carter and Catanzaro do TikTok dancers now. Sid and I are far too old to understand any of this. So I'm just... Well, gonna.
2: So WWE. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: just... Annoyed that they don't do tout dances. Um, so, Kanzaro got a lot of heat. We got Carter getting in, coming in, running wild after getting the hot tag. And then, quite quickly, they hit that amazing finish reverse where Carter hits a neck breaker whilst Catanzaro does a 450 splash. Love that finish. Kanzaro pins JC Jane. And post-match, they yell about getting a tag team title shot, which I'd quite like to see, Sige. Uh
2: sorry, I'm going they're bad babyfaces, Carter and Catanzaro. Such a like a little na 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 nah disposition about them. Mm. Not very likable. Flashy moves, yes. Like when they were like sort of doing their taunts, it was like, oh Christ. Get awesome Kong in. Start these two and a half. You know? Yeah. I don't think they radiated any particularly great baby face qualities. They've been working tag matches at least two years before there was division like in the, even in the midst of the war it's like oh these two alright they like appear every four weeks and just do a match for no reason so for me to take them seriously as tag team title contenders is going to take a gargantuan bit of booking the likes of which this brand isn't capable of if you want to be really cold and analytical because there are reviewers out there on the wrestling internet who will go solid I can see some directions coming out of this that doesn't automatically make it good
1: mm.
2: it's just the in bare bones of what you should be doing on episodic wrestling TV yeah yeah some really good stuff happening with Mandy Rose in the aftermath of this I've got no complaints well I do because it's boring Um, (laughs) at the very least because I thought "Hmm, very questionable Uh, I've had vignettes for both of these women Gigi Dolan's just win which is your first indication of right okay I've been told to trust the direction Matt for this character oh here's a winner cool I'll pay attention and then the part and then the lose. But at least there seems to be a storyline purpose. But I don't care about that. I can't, in good conscience, like what has happened to pro wrestling over the past however many years when it's like there's a direction stemming from this. Goody, you can watch any show on telly and think, all oh, right, that's a plot line. Of course there is. That's what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm watching, having a, something on Netflix. Yeah, it's good. That uh, character—something's happening with them next week. Of course, it is.
1: <laughs> Me, man, wrestling reviewers on the internet like, bow down. Yeah, it is a it is a low bar. I think I think the best thing you can say is yeah, it, it's it, you can you can see Katanzara and Carter becoming tag team champions, but that's only because you've got two tag team champs right now who can't coexist, and it'd be a nice sort of you know, oh plucky. Babyface is challenging for the titles, but in reality, the only reason they win them is because Io Shirai and Zoey Stark can't get along. Uh, we got a backstage interview with NXT Women's Champion Raquel Gonzalez. Uh, she put over Kaylee Ray quite nicely here. Uh, she talked about a match with Dakota Kai. Basically, inferred that maybe it's not over. It is. It probably is. <laughs> She's going to the main roster hopefully, and and in my opinion, hopefully getting a title reign. But who bloody knows, considering what's going on with her and Aaliyah and main event and all that. So uh, she talks about Kaylee Ray. She puts over her whopping NXT UK Women's Championship reign. And then she's interrupted by one Frankie Monet, who uh, challenges Gonzalez to a title match and basically says she's going to be the one to take the title off. uh... I just love Robert Stones just hanging about in the background. Can't believe he's riding these coattails, basically.
2: Sorry, so I completely blanked.
1: In terms next of I about, the Mon- Frankie Monet interrupting and challenging Raquel Gonzalez.
2: Oh, Christ almighty. That's ah, not a good direction at all. I'm Sorry, it just absolutely isn't. I will put over what they did with Kaylee Ray. They did three separate good things. The and you know, that's what they should do, but I thought it was done well. They had the champion put over the emerging threat. The video package made her look like the star, which is genuinely impressive because she's in NXT UK. <laughs> and the squash match, while utterly regulation, the fact that they went, they could have just done a squash or they could just have a god beat like they did with Ilya Dragunov. They put minutes into this, mm. which I received as an indication of they think Kaylee Ray versus um, Raquel Gonzalez is going to be a big, good match. So I'm on the hook for it
1: actually. Yeah, me too. Uh, that came afterwards, uh, after this, well, there was a there was the interview with, with Odyssey Jones, putting him over ahead of the tournament final, of course. And then, yeah, Kayleigh Ray defeated Valentina Feroz. Uh, Feroz got a tiny bit of offence in, it's fair to say, but it was Kayleigh Ray battering her in her and then hitting her with a gory bomb and, like you say, just really establishing her as a threat on NXT. Good stuff. Great to see her doing well on NXT. And then this was the bit with Gigi Dolin and JC Jane being approached by Mandy Rose, who said, if you never want to feel like this again, come with me. They've really not done anything with Mandy Rose.
2: Mandy Rose,
1: to my recollection, hasn't really
2: managed anyone. She has not Ricky Steamboat. So... I mean, even in canon, I don't think she's held any titles. So if you want to be i not being mean about a like level of work rate. And she did some all right stuff with Sonia DeVille, actually, but like some dickhead on Reddit was like on Reddit, I remember, I think it was 2019 was like she debuted the V trigger. It wasn't a bad one. It was like, Baddy Rose has got a pretty decent version of the V trigger. Is it almost as good as Kenny Omega's? Look, squared Circle, then now forever. What I'm getting at is this is a
1: not convincing development, Adam Willborn. Mm. Wasn't she part of the submission sorority or whatever it was <laughs> with Paige and that lot? She clearly learned from that. Incredibly successful, stable <laughs> to where she is today. Uh, what's that noise you can hear? Woo-woo! it's time for a promo train ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Samoa Joe comes out uh, he's of course the first three time NXT champion, he said it's time for a celebration but he didn't come to celebrate he said there's tension in the air tonight, it's palpable the handshades backstage are colder the stairs are a bit bolder who is going to step to Joe Well, the first person was by John, uh, who came out and said Joe you're not the baddest around uh, he said go and find William Regal and he can make the match right now, I'll, I'll battle for that NXT championship. Out comes LA Knight to interrupt them. He says, nighttime every day is the right time with or without the title. He is the only million dollar megastar. He is going to be Joe's first and last challenger because he's going to take the title off him. Uh, he goes to get in the ring. I did like this from Pete Dunn, He basically said, you take one more step into this ring. I'll break every single one of your fingers. And all Knight could say was, all right, we'll use your inside voice. Out comes cool Kyle O'Reilly, who talked to uh, oh about Samoa Joseph, Peter Doon, and Lenite, uh, and basically said he'd earned a title match, uh, winning the undisputed finale and shot on LA Knight's vest. But before he could get to saying how much he respected Joe and wanted to challenge him for the title, Ridge Bloody Holland jumps Kyle O'Reilly. Champa comes in and attacks Pete Dunn, who was trying to do a little bit of a sneak attack before he got caught by the champ, Joe. Outcomes, uh, Holland comes down to, to help Pete Dunn in attacking Champa and Joe batters LA Knight and stands tall as the NXT champion. Sage, your thoughts on all of this?
2: Absolutely bloody wretched, <laughs> absolutely bloody wretched, garbage sub main roster. Why am I making the bloody comparisons as if NXT is any different? Oh, what a load of old rubbish! Of course, this is going to happen. If they've gotten out, man. They don't
1: know because how it literally breaks. what we did yesterday, just bouncing ideas around. We we're like, who's going to be next for Joe? I don't know, Pete Dunn, Carlo O'Reilly, LA Knight. Yeah, just send them all out there.
2: I will be half nice. Clearly, they've done a lot of work in um trying to do the transition. I've talked about this at length. Cross to Joe to call by way of Joe interacting with and having conflict and tension with both Cross and Cole. This was the direction. It was a direction. Now the direction's gone because they've suddenly caught wind of the fact that they didn't know how long they had Adam Cole for when he's the only guy on this brand who moved the needle. Ridiculously incompetent morons. So now you get a promo train. And the thing is, this is so bad. Not only the trope, the format... The lack of credibility behind storyline developments, LA Knight, it's not just failing upwards. You've lost a toy, effectively. Like, you've lost something that doesn't matter. It's not like you've lost the North American title and you're challenging for the world. It should be bad enough. It's, like it's the it's a million-dollar champion. It's been a comedy storyline. So the worst things about this segment were the fact that I hate promo trains, the fact that the dialogue was rubbish, the fact that this is totally creatively bankrupt. There were three men involved in this, right? Of the three, two had no claim to a title match whatsoever. And even if they don't get it, the fact that it was put into my head that they might stupid, Mm -hmm. illogical. Of the three, one person is pretty much without a ranking system, clearly the number one contender, Mm -hmm. and that's Kyle O'Reilly. The not ideal bit about this is that the guy who actually has the claim to the title, I never want to hear cut-up promo ever again. Kyle O'Reilly is one of the best in-ring workers in the world. He's unbelievable. I get the distinct vibe from him when he's not on television that he's a hell of a nice guy. And when he's a heel, he popped me. As a baby face, the top baby face potentially on this brand, he isn't popping me one goddamn iota. I used to cringe my arsehole inside out when I was 14 and happy to accept anything. I didn't have a discerning bone in my body when it came to pro wrestling because all of it's great. You're 14 years old. Get in, you get Jericho, you get Rock, you get Austin, you get Sable. You know, even back then when Chris Jericho would call Kurt Angle, Kirk Angel, I thought, oh, that's rubbish. Which, uh, this is Chris Jericho's lads class wish you wouldn't say that that's rubbish Lenite Pete Dune, Joseph your patters crap pal yeah. you are not coming across as this cool casual guy who's got like an irreverent sense of humour you sound like a tate mm. I don't know what the solution is potentially the solution is get him out of the WWE system <laughs> but that's a solution to everyone's problems it would have seemed oh my god Kyle O'Reilly sucks I never wanted to say that mm. it, it genuinely breaks my heart to say that but give him better material or if this is his own material
1: give him material <laughs> <laughs> yeah no Cheers for that sludge, Dick. Uh, right, Cameron Grimes <laughs> and Ted DiBiase are leaving. They're going to the limo. Um, and Grimes did it as we suggested. He said, look, I think... I think as I fine. suggested.
2: As, as I said, suggested.
1: I mean, I'd, yeah, I'd never take title any title off Cameron Grimes. Uh, but he said, it's, I think it's time. You should take the, the million-dollar championship. He hands it to Ted DiBiase through the window. But Ted goes, no. Now, you know what? I think you should, I think you should still have this camera. And look, every time you look at this belt, you'll know who you are as a result. Grimes was like, wow, thanks for that, Ted. But this belt feels a little different. Realizes, turns it over. It's a replica belt. Ted DiBiase has tricked him one final time. He laughs, he speeds off that damn DBRC. A perfect bow on this storyline.
2: Yeah, this is really actually sweet. Really, genuinely quite sweet, this. And this is how it all started. A nice circular thing with the alignment shifted. Nice little one last DBRC. It's been very good. It really has.
1: Yeah, really good stuff. Uh Kyle O'Reilly's backstage. He's getting asked about what just happened out there. When Vink, there's Vink, Duke bloody Hudson. Uh, he comes in. Uh, he says, oh, you're out there, Carl. Looking at your beat up and just saw you bloody pinhandling for a title before he can get that out Kyle O'Reilly slaps the taste out of his mouth there's a big pull apart brawl to set up a match down the line between the two of them which will be good it's like you say promos to is one thing Kyle O'Reilly in a ring especially with someone who's developing like Duke bloody Hudson I'm I'm looking forward to that
2: I'm not (laughs) like it's one of those things I don't think about NXT at all during the week Bit of a bust baby face on dying brand Kylo Riley versus halfway promising developmental prospect. I don't care. So much of my time gets occupied by big league pro wrestling. I can't care about this. And realistically, several thousand viewers can't
1: either. <laughs> Uh, I did enjoy what came next. It was the finals of the NXT breakout tournament, Odyssey Jones versus Carmelo Hayes. And it's your classic big man, little man match. You know, they're very respectful of each other, but Odyssey Jones can just hoy Carmelo Hayes around. But Carmelo Hayes is incredibly athletic, talented, and uses his quickness uh, to avoid, yeah, getting battered all over the ring, basically. At one point, he's uh, he's trying to put down Jones. He's nailing him with strikes. Hits a, a La hits a face buster, gets a two count uh, and then goes for something else. And <laughs> Jones just nails him with a shoulder breaker. Uh, Hayes comes off the top rope with a flying leg drop but he can't put Odyssey Jones down. Goes for a second one, but uh, Jones' is moves out of the way. Jones hit a, hits a big old splash on Hayes. Looks like he's got the match and the tournament won. There's a very casual cover counting along with the referee. Hayes quickly reverses crucifix pin. One, two, three. Carmelo Hayes shocks the world, defeats Odyssey Jones, wins the NXT breakout tournament, celebrates with a contract on the ramp for a title shot of his choosing whenever he wants it for whatever title he wants. And uh, he says he hasn't decided yet who he wants to face, but uh, celebrates winning the tournament. I think this has been a great uh, showcase for, for both of these men.
3: This is the highlight
2: of the show. I thought it was really, really well done. i um, really impressed by Melo Hayes' in-ring work again. Um, he is the more experienced and more talented performer, but nothing to take away from Odyssey Jones, but from what we've seen of Odyssey Jones, it's like Christy's almost botched disastrously in like a three-minute match. He just didn't know what to expect. Thought he played his role well, but the match was built around virtually everything that Carmelo Hayes mm. did, and I thought he did a commendable job of that. But not to, you know, bury Odyssey Jones, who's clearly got enormous potential, both oh, as yeah. a wrestler and a star, which is the most important thing. Um That shoulder breaker looked deadly. Love that. Mm. Love the idea of an absolute colossus of a man. This is so simple. This speaks to the six-year-old and all of us. An absolute colossal figure of a man pulling off a cool move that looks like it's really hurt someone. Just, that's what NXT is going to be. Yes, fine. You'll probably get younger viewers who are actually interested in the product doing that. And the results, if you chart it, he's beating all the big lads. Um that really it doesn't get him over. No one's talking about Carmelo Hayes. That's the problem. Um, But maybe it's an NXT problem. But, you know, they've done everything they can so far to really put Carmelo Hayes over as like, a gutsy baby face. And this brand needs one because there are there is a deficit of them.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to see what they do next with both of these guys. Uh, massive congratulations to Carmelo Hayes winning that! Uh, what we got next was a squash match, just not the way we were anticipating. I what think was they, this? So they set up beforehand. There's going to be another Tian Sha match. Uh, Boa, of course, is the leader of that. Now, Don't Zayli not being involved in it at all, and the thousand-year-old dragon ladies on the ramp. Boa is dominating. Uh, he gets distracted by me standing up uh, and you know telling him. Kill him, effectively. Turns around and, I'm going to butcher this name, Zion Quinn, I believe it was, just smashes him in the face with his forearm and pins him. Beats Boa in a couple of minutes. uh, Goes to leave. The Dragon Ladies on the ramp, so he just jumps over the barricade and leaves a different way. Uh, They've given up on this stable, haven't they?
2: What is going on? The amount of minutes I've spent cumulatively talking about this from when they were getting tortured in a garage with water, to the teasers, to the squashes, the amount of investment they've placed in this, and Xia Li's in that weird purgatory between NXT and the main roster, like theory's there, Xia there, Alea's there, Dakota Kai's going to be there, this company doesn't know its arsehole from its elbow. <laughs> um, the arsehole bit on this evidence must be NXT because they're stunk like... What on earth was this? I don't know. Can Tian Sha coexist exist? In- <laughs> oh my god. He's in total control of a guy whose name escapes me, which tells you all about how often this guy's appeared on television. My what's her name? The dragon, Lars? Uh, Mi Ying, I think. Mi Ying. Signals, right, do the kill shot. Does he have to be told to do his finish every time? (laughs) What kind of absolute amateur hour is the performance centre if he has to be instructed to do his finish? Unfathomable, the amount of resource and time that's gone into this for it to become this. It's never been over. They did the big, oh, she's going to stand up. No one gave her sauce at one of the (laughs) takeovers. I think it was. This is
1: so dead. Didn't they give her Mist the other week as well? Sad Mist. She's stood up. (laughs) That's it. When she stands up. I I love that as a checklist. We've tried everything. Mist, (laughs) stood up. I couldn't believe what I was watching here. No, dead in the water. Let's move on. Let's talk instead about Johnny Gargoyle and annoying his like, Sorry,
2: I need to say one thing. When people say, I oh, said, you're really miserable about NXT on these podcasts. I think it's a solid seven and a half out of ten show every single week. Is it? Because <laughs> I wasted my time talking and thinking about this. And I remember...
1: Yeah, let's move on and talk about Johnny Gargano annoying his dad. Uh, Did enjoy him saying that William Regal was an unspoken member of the family. Where there's a William, there's a way. I pop my tits off of that little idiot. He's got it in him, Johnny Gargano. I'll give him that. Uh, And they argue about the pronunciation of bananas, bananas, back and forth. And then felt felt very bad for Regal in amongst all this because in amongst arguing with that, annoying arsehole. Love him, but he's but that's what he's playing. In comes LA Night. What's going on? This is outrageous. I want Joe sort of thing because of what happened earlier on in the night to which Regal, understandably, kicks them out of his office, shuts the door and just goes, what a bunch of bloody buffoons.
2: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Johnny Gargano's going to be a top heel by all accounts. Yeah. Can you not make him seem like he's a serious guy at this point? It's fun for what it is, but it's not main event level stuff.
1: Uh, he's going to maybe rediscover a dark side. Starting to like the dark. Oh, God. Promo from uh, Bivins as uh, Diamond Mind training in the background. Roderick Strong's doing a masterclass with some national champions. And Bivens announces he's going to do an open challenge on. Choose next week's NXT to prove to Kushida and the world what a champion he is. More Bivins on TV, Sig. Yes, good.
2: But again, what would happen with Diamond Mine. Di- Diamond? I wish I was talking about that. Diamond Mine the other week. You can't invest in this. Mm. This new NXT, if it wasn't like really engaging and sort of electrifying in terms of how it made you feel don't Even know what to think about it anymore. Mm. You, see, you can uh, one of the two lads on 205 live? Igamanjiro or the other one that's left? I don't even know who it is. What's the guy called actually? One well, looks a bit scruffy. One of them, too. <laughs> you, know, you know, he hates wrestling heavyweights who are actually smaller than him and Ilya Dragunov, so it has to be a cruiserweight. Mm-hmm. they're not signing any more cruiserweights because Nick Khan's literally told you they are past the indie guys thing so there's no more indie guys coming in, Nick Khan has told you this, and there are two members of the 205 Live roster it's going to be one of them too how can I get <laughs> jazzed about, oh what challenge you think ooh class return from injury You know, promotion that actually acknowledges of the promotions. Oh, you might get a forbidden door opening. Oh, you might get the two people left on the 205 Live roster page. Like, how could I possibly give a toss about this? I'm just looking forward to Monday
1: Night Raw becoming four hours long, Sid. I'll quit. Do you understand me? (laughs) I will quit. Uh, right, main event time is Hit Row. Uh, Isaiah Swerve's got the uh, North American champion, Ashanti the Adonis and top dollar versus El Legado del Fantasma, Santos Escobar, Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wild. I've uh, been looking forward to this for a while and uh, oh, a thrilling main event. We had, uh, you know, uh, mainly uh, Swerve leading the charge for Hit Row uh, eventually, uh, especially during the uh, during the ad break. He, uh, he gets beaten down, fights back, Hot tag to top dollar, who just looked like a wrecking ball in in amongst all this. Clean's house, and he gets all three of them, either on his shoulders or holding them up, and hits a mad triple fallaway slam. Love that. Uh, Ashanti the Adonis comes in, Raul Mendoza uh, recovers for La Gara del Fantasma, hits him with a springboard missile drop kick. modified Michinoku driver, gets a near fall off that. Uh, Scott breaking up the uh, pin with a house call on Mendoza. And then we get the moment, it is Scott and Escobar, and Scott hits him with a leaping flatliner uh, and hits him with a 450 for a great near fall. So they try to stop um, Swerve. But the, uh, the rest of Legado del Fantasma get taken out by Top Dollar, diving onto the outside. Escobar trips up Scott on the apron. Uh, but whilst he's on the outside and the referee's distracted, dealing with Swerve, BFAB sends Escobar into the ring post when who should appear but Electra Lopez? BFAB and Lopez square off, and Lopez reveals she's got a bloody pipe, just like BFAB had the other week. Nails her with the pipe. That distraction allows Escobar to roll up Scott for a one, two, three. He has pinned the North American champion. What did you think of the main event, Sage?
2: It's pretty good. This uh yeah. pretty good. I think it was structured nicely to create drama, to showcase um top dollar, who, when he's in this context, performs well above his limitations because he only has to do the stuff that he's good at. Um of Scott is so great that little moment when he was trying to get the hot tag, but he wasn't quite close enough. So, like, he slithered around, I think it was wacky Wild, and then did, like, a. I don't know what that So Scott is so creative that he does things that I can't really, um, like, name or coin. Yeah. yeah. It's basically a hot tag, but, like, outwitting his opponent to get to it. He was great in this match. The last few minutes were class, bit of storyline development with uh, the new addition to Lugado del Fantasma. I would not have pinned Swerve Scott. If Escobar pins Adonis or Top Dollar, he can still, in my opinion, lay claims. You don't have to beat a champion. That's not how it works, in fact. You should do anything but do that. He can still say, beat one of your boys. Surely I'm next at that title. Because as a fighting babyface champions versus Scott would surely want to say, right, okay, we've lost this battle, but I want to win the war.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Where it matters for this title, because that's what the core of this rivalry is all about. But NXT can't book. So there you go. But without hitting the heights of the trios genre, this is really nicely done.
1: Mm, absolutely. I'm going to disagree with you. I think it was the right call to have Escobar pin him because... You've got the already pre-established story of whenever they faced off for a title, Escobar by hook or by crook beat Swerve. And yeah, that's going to hopefully be the storyline going into what should be a match that they give a whole bunch of time to. I um, totally
2: forgot they feuded about that ages ago.
1: Yeah, I, I just think I think there is a storyline there and I these two in a ring. I will happily watch that for an entire sodding episode of NXT compared to what some of the stuff they just hoy on telly uh, on uh, on Tuesday nights. But uh, let's know your thoughts on that main event on the future of the uh, North American Championship and everything we have discussed on today's show on Twitter, at what culture WWE watch. they can follow both of us. you can follow Michael Sidwick at M um, Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcast from, the Daily Wrestling Podcast, including, of course, our AEW Dynamite preview coming later on today, featuring and Punk. I should get some more listens. Uh, right. Uh, this has been the NXT Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon.
0: Late bloomers tend to have more curiosity, they tend to have more resilience.
1: There's stories
0: and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now?
3: And that Rising after failure is part of the
0: glory of being a human being.
1: Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.